0: This morning, I'm loving this weather, man. If it was like this all the time, we'd have four billion people living in South Florida, right? You got to bring the summer heat, man, to keep people away. You know what I mean? Just, just to keep it livable down here. But we've been in a, a really awesome series leading up to Easter about engagement um, and looking at perfect love. And how many of you know that God is love, right? But He's not only just love. He He is the embodiment the persona of perfect love. So we really got to grasp this concept because I think it's so important to our own understanding of who we are as sons and daughters of God and, and His offspring, if you will, and what we're actually called to manifest. And, and truly, you can't love someone else until you're able to love yourself. The perfect love of God has to encounter your own heart so you can give that away. Amen? Amen. And really, Sam mentioned small groups, and, and I encourage you to contact the leader if you want to dive in in this, in this series of, of us rolling out these beta groups in, in the spring here. But it's, it's really the place that we do engage with one another. We love our meetings, like today, and we're going to talk about, about even some more purpose behind them, even in my message this morning. But, you know, re- where we engage with each other, where we really can receive from other people, you know, share life with one another as friends and and then give away what we have to other people and in more intimate ways through our small groups. So love to have you get connected, all right, to what's happening there. So listen, here's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about being healthy, growing and maturing, and then in those two things manifest in our life, becoming full of the love of God. Does that sound good? And so just to recap, what I want to teach on today, just so you kind of get a grasp of where I'm going, is on the growth process. Everybody say process. How many of you know that we need to grow in love? You that are married out there, you understand what I'm talking about. How many of you know you think you really understood what love was about when you first got married, but then you had to grow in understanding what love is all about, right? What it really means to have a mature understanding of the love of God. So, the growth process that we all have been invited into to become healthy and full of love. That's the first thing we're going to look at. And then secondly, I want to I want to tie that in to the foundational way that this growth process happens by being equipped in settings like this. Alright, we're going to look at the Word of the Lord and how a setting like this through us being equipped in the Word of God is paramount to us being able to enter in and mature along this growth process of becoming healthy and full of love. And how the fruit of this maturation, I mean, you know we're, that Jesus is looking for fruit. He, he's, 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 he's wanting to, to pick from the fruit of, of the redemption that was paid for on the cross through, through our lives manifesting what we're potentially able to do by the grace of heaven. But the fruit of our maturation will be, how many of you know, a greater capacity to receive from other people, to, to share life and go deeper in our friendships, and then to give this love away to the world. And, and for all of us as generations, the, the tri-generational reality that I, that I so long to see, grandfathers, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, coming together. And in and, and, and unity, and opening up the floodgate of blessing um, to, that God wants to pour into our midst is going to happen through this union. It's it's so beautiful. So I want to just um, spend some time this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm just going to hit this first verse, and we're going to go back and kind of break this down a little bit, in chapter 4, verse 16, that really, I think, gives summary to what, what I want to hit on today. And Paul says this to the church at Ephesus. He says, He, talking about the Father, makes the whole body, I love this, fit together perfectly. Isn't that amazing? Like in the sovereignty and grace of God, he makes the big C church with all of the small C churches and all the members of of this body somehow fit together perfectly. How many of you know that it's time for us to come together? It's time for the body of Christ and what God has destined for the earth in the season to come together. And then he says this, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. How many of you know we need one another? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, hey, I need you. Even if it was your wife or your husband and you got in a fight with them this morning... It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body. I remember me and Wendy, we would have some of our biggest fights going to church when I was preaching. You gotta know who you are in those moments, man. Otherwise, you go under condemnation, man. I don't have anything to give. I just anyhow. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy. Growing. And full of love. It's the biblical message this morning. Can I get an amen? The title is biblical. Can I get a better amen? Last week we were in um, South Carolina. We're in a season of life. Uh, aging parents. Many of you that that know our family. We lost my mother in September. Wendy's father has been suffering with... with uh, Parkinson's, I don't know, 10 plus years, has really entered a weakened state and we needed to go back and, and and check in on him and make sure everything was in order and, and and we appreciated the prayers while we were gone last weekend. With Wendy working now full time, we, we didn't have, you know, the luxury of of all these days off to go and do this, so we had to drive as far as we could one night. We went as far as uh, Savannah on our way to Columbia, South Carolina, stayed the night and then we got up and on, on the maps program, there was an option to take the main highway and then there was another option to take the back roads. Guess which one I chose? Bam! You guys know me. Back roads, baby! Because I want to adventure, right? I can't do that. I mean, I've drove 95 so many times, I'm like, i got to see something different, you know? And it was, it was rough, man. I was like telling Wendy, I was like, man... The backwoods of of Georgia and South Carolina, it was like that movie Deliverance came back to my mind. You know what I mean? But But anyhow, as we were just navigating this journey, it was so awesome to see these little teeny homes and then next to the homes was this massive live oak tree this massive live oak tree next to these teeny homes. I want to show this See if you could put that up. Just, we'd be driving, we'd see a little shack, and then next to it would be this... The oak tree was bigger than the home. You know what I mean? And, and, and we were just pondering this. Everywhere, just along the road, we'd go 25 more miles, or 10, or 5, and there'd be another little small home, and then a massive oak tree. And we finally put it together. Someone planted that oak tree years and years and years, hundreds of years. Ago. We don't even know, not hundreds, but uh, maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand. I don't know how far ago, but they, hundreds, of, hundreds of years ago when they, when they built this little home. And I thought about the concept of legacy. Legacy is those who lay down their lives to plant an oak tree whose shade themselves they may never sit under. That's what I thought about. I was like, man, they had this little life, this little house, this little beginning, but they said, man, I'm going to leave a legacy. And I want to just provoke us today. I believe that we in this moment are being called to plant oak trees, that other people, our children's children, if the Lord so tarries, will be the beneficiaries of their shade. Now, back to Ephesians chapter 4, because this ties into this whole concept of legacy. In verse 11, Paul says, there's these gifts that I've given to the church. That that Christ has given to the church. And here's the gifts that he's given. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, these are ones that, that, that God has called to... To really lay their lives down. Every every part of the body is valuable. But, but listen to me. There are ones that He has called. He's given to the church as gifts. To lay their lives down. To plant oak trees. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 38 says, Man, of whom the world is not even worthy. Because heaven knows the sacrifice that these ones have, have given. I remember when I was transitioning out of the corporate world, and um, going into ministry, God was calling us to go down to a school in Dallas called Christ for the Nations. And so I I loaded myself in my company car and drove from, we were living in Birmingham at the time, down to Dallas, Texas, and I pulled up on the campus. Now, mind you, when I was in the business world, when you would do deals with people, you would kind of try to size up who you were dealing with and stuff, and I would always look at two things. Their watch... And their shoes. Because if they had a good watch on and some good shoes, man, they were on top of their game normally. Just like Grant is. Amen. But when I got to this campus, I was looking at these students who didn't have much resource. Some of them had holes in their, in their shoes, holes in their clothes. Back then, they didn't make pants with holes from the onset. Can I get an Amen. But I was going through the, the, what was called these college days, and mind you, we had went to the University of South Carolina, so we was kind of going back to school in a sense, and they had this time where you could come out and check out the school. And that night, there was a worship set. And I'm telling you, man, the presence of God fell in that room. The presence of God is everywhere all the time, but, man, tangibly, I could sense God's presence like maybe never before. And man, it about put me on the ground. And I remember in that moment, the conviction of God hit me and His voice spoke to my heart. Not audibly, but just to my heart. And He said, How dare you pass judgment on these ones that are laying their lives down to go to nations and leave Families and homes and 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 potentially successful careers for my namesake. How dare you pass judgment upon them? They need to be honored and revealed because they're gonna plant oak trees that are gonna make a space and a way for others to come into the rest of God, the pleasure of God as Sam was talking about in the closing. Why is that? He says in verse 12 that their responsibility is to equip everybody shout equip equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ now this is really awesome and I think we're maturing as as as, as the as the church in these days but actually the ministers are not the ones teaching the Word of God, it's actually you. That's the ministry. That's the people that are called to be ministers of the gospel according to the Word of the Lord. It's not the ones that are equipping. It's the ones that are actually out there doing the work of the ministry. You follow me? But here's what I want to, I want to just, I want to hit on this because I think this is it, to some degree, culturally happening right now, and I was telling Wendy this morning on our walk, I'm like, oh, I'm just feeling, the, in a sense, the anguish of the Lord as, as He is battling against us. But I am I'm seeing this more and more where, where people will say, you know what, I don't need a pastor. I don't need a church. I just need Jesus. Did you know that that is absolutely impossible based on the Word of the Lord? Absolutely and completely impossible. L- let me show you. Ephesians chapter 2, quickly. I'm, I'm, this, this ties in here because we're talking about growing, becoming healthy, manifesting the love of God in the earth. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Same author, Paul. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. Another, re, another way of, of saying it, he said, man, you, you thought you were far off, but actually Christ on the cross has brought you close, and you've awakened to that reality. So you were orphans, now you're sons and daughters, you're no longer strangers and foreigners because of your understanding of what took place on the cross. Does that make sense? And he says... Now, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. So, there's been this union that you've been officially brought into in your awareness. That you're part of something bigger. He says, you are members of God's family. Something shifted where you've now been brought into an awareness that you're actually linked in to this thing called God's family or the church or the household of faith. Church is not a building. Church is not a thing called the harbor or whatever name you put on it. It is a familial reality. An organic entity that is ever growing, ever increasing, ever maturing, ever, you know, rising to the stature and the fullness of what Jesus has called us to rise to. And he says in verse 20, he says, together we are his house. Take that down for just a minute. Together we are his house. We are his, insert church. Question. For those of you that have built a house before, what is the most important reality or part of building a house? Yes and no. Trick question. Actually, today it is the foundation. Very important. But did you know back in the day when when they were building houses in Jesus' time, since they didn't have produced materials like we do now, they just had big, huge stones to work with. And they would have to chisel these stones out according to the pattern of how they were going to build the house. And so they would take one stone and they would chisel it out to the perfect dimension that they wanted to build the house with the rest of the stones. And this stone was called the chief cornerstone. So actually, the most important thing in building a house is having an understanding or having in your possession the chief cornerstone. Because then, from there, every other stone, when they would build the house back in the day and lay the foundation, it would be adapted and, 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 and cultivated, cut out of the rock, to the exact dimension of the chief cornerstone. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus is referred to in the Bible as the chief cornerstone. So what he looks like, we're supposed to look like, right? Verse 20, back to that again. together we are his house built on the foundation of what? The apostles and the prophets. So there is a working of God's Spirit being done so deep, so beautiful. In the lives of the quippers that are being raised up, that are literally laying their lives down for the flock of God. And I'm telling you, there is the enemy is dispersing on the earth such a great dishonor to these that God holds as precious. And let me tell you, this doesn't even have anything to do with, with, with superstar pastors in America. Trust me, there are people around the world, in nations, in, in places around the earth, that people don't even know these ones' names yet. They may never know their names. We're talking about people that have been hewn out of Jesus by the grace of God. And they are gifts to the body. And we need to be looking for these ones, these builders, these, these ones that are, that are sent out, that are prophetic voices, that are taking what, what heaven is saying and releasing these sounds into the earth. In fact, the church and its foundation cannot be built without them. Do you understand me? I have people. Yeah, I just need Jesus. Well, trust me, they're tapping in somewhere else to an equipper. somewhere online. They're reading a book. They're being. In, they're not getting their own revelation. Paul, as an apostle, said, "No one taught me this theology when he was taken out into the wilderness." Now, let me clarify something there. But then he himself was brought into a host of other apostles where his theology was challenged. It was none of us are immune from other people. Well, I'm a, I'm a chief apostle. I don't really need. I'm, I, I got my own revelation in the wilderness. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending time with that's able to question you on your brilliant theology? And the cornerstone is Jesus himself. I would submit that if someone doesn't look like Jesus, they're probably not an apostolic leader or a prophet for sure. Verse 21, moving on. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord through whom you Gentiles also be made a part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. As we engage with each other, and we're able to receive, everybody receiving from somebody, everybody sharing life with somebody, everybody giving away what we have to somebody else, there is a dwelling place of God's presence coming on the earth. Listen, please hear me. And this is, I'm not throwing stones at anything or any, I'm wondering, why haven't we changed the world yet? We've got to ask that question. We've got more, church, we've got more resources. We've got more churches, especially in America. We should be changing our cities. What's the missing agreement? I agree, ingredient. I, I, I submit that, man, it's because we haven't fully come together in the way that God would have us to come together. So back to Ephesians chapter 4, when Paul is talking about this equipping reality, he says in verse 13 Hey, guys, guess what? This is never, you can. Listen, generation, millennial generation, whatever generation. You can deconstruct whatever you want to that you see is wrong about the church. And I think there's some measure of, of things that we've got to change for sure. There is truth coming in some of those spaces. A lot of it's from hurt and offense, which you never can build on offense and hurt. Never. You just tear down. But li- but listen, the, the, the point here is, in verse 13, what will continue that we know from the Word of God is equipping... Until what? Until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Are we there yet? Full and complete. Other translations would say fullness, which is the word repletion which means filled up to excess where overflow begins to transpire. You want to change the city? You want to change the world? Let's come into unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Maturing in the Lord. Coming to the place where we're overflowing. He says then in verse 14, then we, which includes all ages by the way, because maturity doesn't have anything to do with age, we will no longer be immature like children. Now he defines what he's talking about here. Here it is tossed and blown about with every new teaching. Let me clarify something here. He didn't even say deceptive teaching. He just said teaching. And let, track with me here. When whatever revelation comes out into the church, which I've been walking with Jesus for almost 30 years now, so I've seen a lot of them come out, come down the pipe. You know, Holy Spirit's still alive and active today. All fivefold ministry gifts are for the body of Christ, to bring them into the place of maturity. Women in ministry, um, the grace of God. I mean, name the, name the revelation. What we typically do, because we're not mature, is we flip to one side of immaturity in those doctrines. And you know what happens? A lot of damage gets done. And then we play cleanup for the next 15 years, so we center again. And then the next revelation comes, and we flip into the ditch on that side. Right? Or, we, we shut it off, and we go to the complete opposite extreme. Remember, when I, was, when I came to Christ in South Carolina, I was discipled by a beautiful man whose wife was wounded, in a spirit filled environment, someone grabbed her her chin and tried to make her start speaking in tongues. And dude, that is that is really messed up. Can I get an amen right there? And so then she all of a sudden and, and, and her husband decided that stuff's of the devil now. You see, we We flip flop all the time. And I feel like God is like y'all we're going to get there, but but to me it feels like we're wasting... T- you know, like, how many of you know that the, the, straight, the fastest way to get to from point A to point B is in a straight line? Right? Have you ever gotten lost before and you just feel like you're driving around in circles and it's like four hours later you end up getting to where... You- not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. That that stuff's happening. Verse 15, instead Oh, Facebook users listen to this. Instead we will speak the
1: truth in love.
0: I told Wendy, I said I'm retiring from Facebook, but I was I was on it the other day. I shouldn't have done this. And, you know, you, you see that, that, that post, and then you see 75 comments. You, ever, you know what I mean? And then you shouldn't do it, but you, you go into those bad boys. Boom! This person that made the comment, man, he, individual was getting hit back. He was, he was holding tight for 35 replies like, come on. And I was like, it was like cheering him on. I was in this phase. This already happened. I'm like, come on, man. Go, go, go. 18, 19, 20, 30, 35. And then someone got him on 36. And I could literally see it on the It was like, boom. Began to unleash. I was like. He, I was like, he lost his salvation at 36 reply. <laughs> He's, he was a Christian till then. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. But I don't think we're not supposed to speak the truth. But can we do it in love? Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body. Think about Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology, man. Can you imagine his frustration, how it has to be with the church? Like, I mean, guys, like... You know, we were talking to someone, Sam and I had lunch with someone the other day, talking about the dark ages, man. The theologies that came in in the dark ages. If you believe this, please forgive me. But we were talking about how... You know, man, when the church was hurting for money, they came up with purgatory as a theology that's nowhere in the word of the Lord, because man, when loved one dies and you're told that they're in purgatory, you're going to pay as much cash you can to get them out of there, or maybe not. It's your mother-in-law. I'm kidding I mean, what was Jesus doing like up in heaven, like, ah! <laughs> you know) So it starts with Jesus. It hits the equippers, man. People that, sometimes I, I see people that are frustrated with their jobs and then they say, man, I just, I'm going to go into the ministry. You know, just like, I'm like, dude, dude, no, stick in your job. You don't, you don't know. You want to get your guts ripped out. Some, I mean, you want to have your insides turned out. You want God to get all up in your... And, and you don't even have an anointing for that? Stay in your job. Because I'm telling you, it, like that was, I was like, Lord, like you didn't tell me that this is how it was going to be when you called me to the ministry. Because if you would have, I would have said, No! So Jesus first, then equippers, then the saints who are the ones released in the ministry. So trust me, it's coming for you as well, the love of God. But Paul begins in chapter 4 to just sum this up with these verses, because I want to I bring this home, because this is we've we got to go together in this. He says, Therefore, I, a prisoner... First, I'm laughing at that. So I felt like a prisoner. Anyhow. Uh... <laughs> now it's voluntary incarceration. I've re-signed up to go back in. Anyhow, amen. All right. Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Here's what it looks like. Verse 2, look at this. Now, this, now these are, I, I always mess with my brother because I'm like, dude, you're always making absolute statements, you know? Like, that's what my brother does. He'll just say, always and forever. And, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute. What are you? He, no, you can't classify everybody in the statement. But, anyhow, he tells the church to always be humble and gentle, to always be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because you're love. Making allowance is the word forbearance, it means to put up with somebody. Wait a minute. Time out. No. Always. What if we? And I'm not talking about you. Don't put up proper boundaries. I'm not. Please don't hear me. We need to put up the boundaries up, right? I'm getting way better at that nowadays. Can I get an amen, Darren? Awesome. But we're to always. And I'm telling you, the Lord has something so massive in his heart for transgenerational love and unity. I want to show you this real quick. Take a look at this as we close. pretty powerful any anyway, with this in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 he continues and he says make here's another absolute every effort to keep yourself unified in the spirit now check this out he says binding yourself together with peace it literally means to build a a, a build a fortress of prosperity or overflow that's what he says to do so i want to take i want to take just a minute and i want to ask holy spirit cuz he promises to watch over his word right and he says that he's going to cause the word of the lord which is living and active to come to pass, to bear fruition in our lives. I believe that there is a moment for us right now where we're going to stay the center part of the road and we're going to journey together in this thing called maturation, health, growing up into the understanding of Jesus. And we're going to always be humble and gentle with each other, patient, kind, forbearing putting up with. Making every effort to keep ourselves united in the Spirit where we build a fortress of prosperity. You guys know this. As we journey down here to South Florida, we we were told to plant the initial city hub in in Broward County. And, of course, that's with the main city here, Fort Lauderdale, which means Fortress of Praise. And God's going to get Recompense, And he's going to get a manifestation of the name that he gave this very city. And it's a fortress of peace. It's a fortress of overflow. Wow. What if we could see that here, you know? What if we could dream a little bit and we have equippers. I mean, guys... I work with these ones, have worked with ones in this very team that the world isn't even worthy of, that have just sacrificed. You guys don't even know. Taking low pay, and, and, and we're not about low pay. We're not in some poverty mindset. We want to see that be the best pay. But the point is they're willing to sacrifice because they're not in it for what they can get. And there's the grace of heaven on their life. And this team comes in all colors and ethnicities more and more by the grace of heaven as He raises those ones up. Male, female. And Lord, You're going you're to build a fortress. You're going to build a stronghold. You're going to set a tower up. It's not our effort to reach to the heavens to build a name for ourselves. Lord, it's Your tower. It's the tower of Your love that's so massive, so profound, so beyond anything we can even comprehend. Who can comprehend the depths of His love? No height. No abyss. Further than the east is from the west no agenda, irresistible, powerful, able to change the human heart, able to come in a moment and wipe away pain, shame and disgrace and and give dignity to a life that's been fashioned into the image of God. Would you pour out your love in South Florida, God? Would you let the river of your love run through this region like a raging river? Would you hit us with a tsunami wave of the love of God? May it roll up on our shores and may we bask in its beauty. We prophesy and we declare, God, that apostles are in our midst, that prophets are in our midst, that pastors and teachers and evangelists are being raised up out of great sacrifice, out of being hewn by the beauty of your grace, and they're equipping saints who aren't just going to sit in pews or sit in chairs on Sunday morning, but they're going to take that beautiful gospel out into the highways, into the byways, and their spheres of influence, and they're going to leverage the power of God in whatever space that you give them, in whatever way that you open for them to do it. Would you send a mighty revival, God, that has been destined before the foundations of the earth. God, you are just waiting to grow us up, to make us healthy. We say no to dysfunction. Come on. We say no to dysfunction. We say no to settling. We say no to being given permission to be bitter and offended and isolated. Lord, we say no to those things. We say that we will engage, that we will receive, that we will share life with others, that we will give away what you've given to us and not just keep it for ourselves who would you come this morning once again as you always do as you've opened up a window of revelation and would you change us come on if in some way this message spoke to your heart I want you to stand I want you just to if there's something that, that, you, that you felt specifically God's speaking to you it may not be for everybody I want you to stand up if you don't know Jesus today if you don't know Jesus in this kind of a way, listen. He has called you before the foundation of the earth to know Him, to know Him, to come into an intimate relationship with Him. If you don't know Him, I want you. I want you to say, Darren, that's me." I want as our ministry teams come up front, we're gonna we're gonna take some time and pray for people. And if you've got stuff going on in your life, your body, your family, your finances, we're gonna stand with you and break through as well, because we're not gonna settle for any of that in this house we're going to pray for you before you go so lord would you as we close this time out would you touch every human heart if you're standing would you just open up your heart to just receive god would you break through in every single heart that's standing thank you for all these beautiful people that took a risk god come and 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 just transform them to the next level just awaken their understanding god thank you for revelation thank you for understanding thank you that they're going to they're they're planting oak trees that are immovable because they're, they're yours, Lord. They're your work in our hearts. We love you, Lord, and we worship you. In Jesus' name. Listen, we're going to dismiss. Thank you guys for, for just being here as you make your way out. Please do so quietly. We're going to have our ministry teams here as long as you need uh, to receive ministry. Go pick up your children. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.